Well, good afternoon and welcome to Your DIY Health here on the Eurofolk Radio Network. I'm your host, Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. You can call me Sarge. It is Wednesday, June 1st, 2022, and I did make it back from my uh, lunch. <laughs> Had a little trouble in my garage door, which kept me from getting up here and sitting down in the uh, squeaky chair until about two minutes ago. But uh, we're ready to roll and... Uh, just going to get right into things here. Uh, just keep in mind the topics discussed and opinions mentioned on this show are those of the host and or guests and don't necessarily represent the opinions of the Eurofolk Radio Network, its owners or sponsors, or any of the alphabet agencies out there listening in. Nothing we say in this show should be construed as an attempt to diagnose, treat, or cure any kind of a health or wealth issue. It's all here for your education and entertainment purposes only. So as a responsible adult, you can use this show as a jumping off point to do your own research and due diligence to make sure that what you're doing and what you're trying is right for you. That having been said, uh, I got a call from John and Kathy yesterday, and John mentioned a uh, recording that he had uh, passed on to me um, by a lady named Alex Mayer. And uh, she was vaccine injured back in the 90s. I'm not going to blow the whole thing because she'll explain it. But uh, she is now fairly well recovered, and uh, which is a miracle in and of itself. And then uh, she's also working for Children's Health Defense, which is uh, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s group uh, out in California. And they've had uh, quite a bit of success uh, uh, filing suit against colleges that are requiring uh, mandates of these uh, COVID injections and that kind of stuff. And it's a very, very good um, recording. I listened to it this morning. I said that this is good enough that I... I'm willing to take the first 54 minutes of the show and play it. I think you'll agree, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and get that started now, and then we can go wherever we need to go once it's done. Here we go. Thank you, everybody. Thanks so much for being here. So I flew here today to talk to you a little bit about my story, which I'll keep brief, and a little bit about Children's Health Defense. And then I'll talk to you guys about what I call the supra-emergency, which is how they've bastardized emergency law to create a fake emergency and to manipulate the laws to get what they want, to get liability protection and to be able to mandate the shots illegally, I might add. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about the Santa Clara suit that we filed against Santa Clara University and how we got the university to back off on a number of measures without even getting into court yet. So that's been pretty exciting. And um, then I'll close out and we can do Q&A. Does that sound good? Okay. So what Anthony didn't tell you about my story is that when I was running the worldwide group for Apple, it was a worldwide research group. I'm, I'm a data pervert and a compulsive researcher. I might not look like that, but I am. <laughs> and I get really excited about the data. So I was running this worldwide research group. I absolutely loved it. And my family called and they said, hey, Alex, do you want to go on vacation to Bali? And I said, sure. And then I went to my doctor because that's what you're supposed to do. It's almost like neuro-linguistic programming. It's like you're going on an international trip. You go to the doctor. You don't even know why you're going, but that's what you know you need to do. So I went there and he said, go to travel medicine. So I did. And they told me about all the diseases I could supposedly catch, which I am not scared of these days at all. And I would not do this again the same way, but I rolled up my sleeve and I got six vaccines. I got hepatitis A vaccine, hepatitis B vaccine, diphtheria, tetanus, polio, and oral typhoid. Because I didn't want to get any of those things because they sounded really scary to me when I was at travel medicine. And it was the worst decision of my life. I collapsed on the trip. Two weeks later, my legs turned into noodles. Um, I just met a woman who's been permanently disabled by the COVID shot. Her name is Bree Dressen. Does anybody know her? 
she has noodly legs, and that's the only other person I've met who got noodly legs after vaccines, but hers is an ongoing problem, so she's in a wheelchair. Luckily, my noodly legs were temporary, and I recovered from that, but I got a permanent headache. I started sleeping 16 hours a day, which is called hypersomnia, and I was still going to work at Apple, even sleeping 16 hours a day. I don't know how I did it, because I only was awake for eight hours a day, and you still need to eat, you need to get dressed, you need to shower, you need to drive to work, so my work days got shorter and shorter, but I did it anyway, because I'm from a German family, as you guys all know, the hot dogs, bologna, and bacon family, and you don't want to be a useless eater. Plus, I loved my job, so I just kept going in. I loved it. I'm a data pervert, and it was all about the data. Um, So six or seven months later, after going to work for less and less time, the brain damage set in, and I was reading the Wall Street Journal, which is the favorite thing to do if you're an MBA, and I read all three sections, except for the stock quotes. I didn't read all the stock quotes in section C when they used to print them there, and I couldn't understand an article in there, and I thought, oh, wow, there's a bad writer in the Wall Street Journal. How weird. Yeah, and then I read a second one. I thought, oh, two two bad writers in the Wall Street Journal. That's really weird. And then I read a third one, and all of a sudden I was like, um, okay, pattern recognition. The commonality is me. I don't understand what I'm reading anymore. And that's when the brain damage, I knew I had brain damage. I didn't actually know it was called brain damage at that point. I just thought I couldn't read anymore. But I literally couldn't read anymore. And um, then I couldn't do math. You know, that's the same day I stopped being able to do math. And if you read a voice into my voicemail, if you read your phone number into my voicemail, I couldn't remember it long enough to call you back. And so I was just, I was a mess cognitively. And so that was the day at the urging of my doctor and my family that I finally decided I needed a medical leave of absence. And I thought I would sleep this off. I thought I needed a weekend of sleep. And then when that didn't work, I thought I needed a week of sleep. And then I thought I needed, needed a month of sleep. And I never went back to corporate America full time. It's lasted way longer than I thought. And I still suffer the symptoms of the vaccine injury today. I live in constant pain and I have sleep issues. I have nine bulging discs and from all the, all the drugs they gave me, it just destroys you. So I, I, I only advocate for pharma as a last resort now. I, I always personally, this is not children's health defense. This is me. I just say, please turn to natural medicine first. If that doesn't work, then you know, pharma as a last resort is a fine choice. But as a first resort, like I did back in the 90s, bad idea. It destroyed me for life. But I'm standing here and I'm 80 or 90% recovered, so I'm happy about that. I was able to marry, (laughs) and I had twins who are now 20 years old, and um, then I got divorced because vaccine injury is so expensive, and um, I wasn't using pharmaceuticals after a while, and that's like $50,000 a year, so my husband didn't like that. And um, I could literally send him into a rage by putting a bottle of homeopathic homeopathic drops on the counter um, because that was wasting money for $12 a bottle. Um, So anyway, that ended. But (laughs) I'm much happier now. And I'm happy to be here and doing the work with Children's Health Defense now. So this is is my life's work. And sometimes you have to go through a terrible situation to get shown your path in life. And this is my path in life. So that's why I'm here. And I'm happy to be here, even though I took a plane here and I missed my first plane and you guys waited for me. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. So thank you. Right. Thanks for waiting. <laughs> so Children's Health Defense, a lot of people call it the anti-vaccine organization. That is not true. Um, we are just for no medical mandates and always to have choice. So we're for informed choice. If you're not informed, you don't have a choice. We're for informed choice. If there are no medical mandates, our work is just about done. The only other work we'd be doing if there were no medical mandates is protecting kids and um, probably adults from chemicals. We would still be doing that work. But as soon as there are no mandates, then half of our work is done. So let's make that happen. We're going to make it happen. (laughs) So 
here to talk about this um, this mandate, an emergency use law, and how we created what I call a supra-emergency out of emergency law. And that's my term. That's not an official term. But I'm going to explain how they did it. And it's really, it's kind of crazy. I think you guys are going to know a lot of components of this puzzle, but I'm going to put it together for you in a way where hopefully it'll elevate your understanding of what they're trying to do. And there's a new chapter to this story as of this week, because the FDA is having a meeting. The Verback Committee is meeting at the end of the month in June, and they're going to meet about something called, um, what's it called? I, it's escaping me right now. But th- what they want to do is they want to, <laughs> like the flu shot, they put, you know, new strains in the flu shot every year. And I heard from someone who used to be in the CIA that the way they find the viruses in the flu shot is they go to an Air Force meeting in Texas in October every year. And if anybody's sick, they swab them and those become the viruses in the flu shot. <laughs> yeah. So it's called something like the the new framework or something like that. But the new framework that they're trying to do for COVID shots is like the the flu shot. They want to put different sequences, different RNA sequences in the COVID shot every year and just make it an annual thing for us. Isn't that great? Okay, so that's that's the end of this story about the super emergency, uh, the end of the story as of today. I'm sure it's going to go on and on. But as of today, that's the end of the story. But I'm going to start you at the beginning. So everybody remembers at the beginning of 2021 or actually at the end of 2020, December 2020, we got the first EUA approval for a COVID shot. Right. And does everybody remember which one that was? Pfizer. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and then we got Moderna approved and J&J, and off we went, and suddenly we had three shots. And I don't call them vaccines because they're not vaccines. They don't provide immunity. They actually had to change the definition of vaccine for COVID to provide protection against a disease instead of provides immunity. And that's why they can call these things vaccines, because the word vaccine is loaded. It infers that this thing, this shot, is going to do all the things that vaccines normally do, that it could prevent transmission, that it could maybe get us to herd immunity, that it could get us to eradication. None of that's true. These shots don't do any of that, as we all know. And I think it's really unbelievable that if I walk by somebody who's vaccinated, suddenly they think their vaccine doesn't work. And then when I leave 30 minutes later, their vaccine's working again. I don't understand. (laughs) All this science, I don't understand. (laughs) Right? So... Okay, so we have the emergency use authorization shots. And then you guys also know this word called approved, right? And the synonyms for that are FDA approval, full approval, uh, full licensure. Those are all synonyms for approval. None of those mean emergency use authorized. And the short version of, of emergency use authorized is EUA or it's just authorized. So I need you guys to listen really carefully for the difference between authorized and approved whenever you're listening to me or anything you read after this or anything you hear after this. Okay. So if you're, I'm going to have everybody here think like a vaccine manufacturer. So you've got your EUA shot. Let's talk about Pfizer. Okay. They've got their EUA shot and they have no liability. If you're injured or God forbid you die, your family can apply to this program called the CICP, the Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program, where 97% of the injuries have been denied and not compensated in the past. There's only been one approval for a COVID era injury, and we don't know yet if it's a shot or remdesivir or anything like that. It has not been paid out. Only one. Meanwhile, there are 1.2 million plus injuries reported to VAERS and 28,000 plus deaths reported to VAERS. So we know these injuries and deaths are happening. They are not being compensated in our CICP program. So under EUA, you can't sue the manufacturer. You have to fill out a form for the CICP 
And then an administrator decides if you get compensation or not. There's no court. There's no lawyer. And you can appeal once, I think, and fill out another form. That's it. That's our compensation program for these highly, highly injurious shots. So manufacturers are protected. But what they don't like about EUA vaccines, who knows what they don't like? Yeah. That's true, too. And I'm going to explain that in a minute. They don't. Right. I'm going to get to that in a minute. I'll tell you what they don't like. They do not like that you cannot mandate EUA shots. They hate that. They want to have no liability and they want to mandate it. Imagine if we owned a company where we had no liability for what we produced and we could mandate it on everyone. You'd be making money hand over fist, but you probably couldn't sleep at night because everybody here has a conscience, right? (laughs) Okay. So what they did. So we're going to talk about Pfizer. So the, the Pfizer shot is called... Um, the Pfizer BioNTech shot, that's the EUA version. But they did something really squirrely here. And this is what I call the beginning of the supra emergency. So in August of last year, they had a shot, a brand name shot approved, not approved, it's quasi approved, <laughs> called Comirnaty, right? And that's not a Pfizer BioNTech shot. That's just BioNTech. Who knows why they did that? Yes. So if they still have the Pfizer shot, the original Pfizer BioNTech shot on the market, and they have Comirnaty, which people think is approved, but it's not. And I'll tell you why it's not in a second. They get EUA protection from liability, but under the approval, and I'm putting that in quotes, they can mandate it. So they have both now. It's never been done before. When you come off of EUA, if you're a vaccine manufacturer, you're supposed to go to full approval. And then you can be sued, but they don't want that. So they've done this thing where they have this quasi-approval. Now, if you read the approval document for Comirnaty, it's called the Biologic License Agreement, BLA. You read down to the end, there's a line in there. Literally, I'm quoting it right now. This is the literal quote. It says, this vaccine is, quote, ready for approval in ages 16 and up. Ready for approval. This is the approval document. Can it make any less sense? It makes zero sense at all. Right. And then what they did, I mean, this thing, Comirnaty, this was quasi-approved last August. Where is it? Exactly. Does somebody want to call CVS or Walgreens right now? Ask for Comirnaty. I've done that. They don't have it. You've done it recently. I've done it recently, too. They do not have it. And they've intentionally held it off the market because if you get a Comirnaty-branded vaccine and you get injured or, God forbid, you die, you can sue the manufacturer. They don't like that. So they need this bridge to keep the EUA going while it's still under this quasi-approval, and they're keeping the products off the market so you can't ever get one, and they cannot be sued. Now, they're going to have they know they have to come off of EUA, right? So what, what, if you're a vaccine manufacturer, what would your next move be? Do you know how to get the liability protection again? You're going to come off of EUA. You might have a fully approved product called Comirnaty, but you can be sued. You're not going to put that thing on the market until you get liability protection. What would you do? Mick. Okay, 100 points for Mick. Yes. So as soon as a shot is recommended for children, even if it's just recommended for maybe ages 16 and 17, and it goes on the official recommended CDC schedule for children, they get liability protection because of the 1986 Act. So that's why they're coming after our kids so, so hard. 
That's why they're doing it because they can't have a shot on the market unless they have liability protection because these things are so injurious and deadly. So, but what's really interesting is last week um, we saw the schedule for Verback, the FDA committee, and at the end of June, they actually have this meeting talking about doing this thing like they do with the flu shot, where they find four strains of COVID every year, and they make the mRNA fake sequences out of them, and they give them to us every year. And under that, wouldn't they have to go through trials, clinical trials? They're trying not to do that. They're trying to make it like the flu shot. And so my belief, and I don't know anything else right now, this is my belief. I think they're going to try to keep this weird status of like part EUA and and quasi-approved, and then they're going to have this annual shot. And isn't it interesting also that even though it's technically legal to mandate these shots because they're quasi-approved, the government hasn't really mandated them, have they? They're doing it through our employers and our schools. And that's for a reason also. The government doesn't want to be sued. So, okay, so one more really interesting thing about the difference between the Pfizer shot and the brand name Comirnaty is they called them legally distinct and interchangeable. (laughs) It's bizarre. And it turns out a judge in the Sixth Circuit Circuit Court, this is a military case, he ruled that the shots are not interchangeable. So technically, if that ruling stands, and if that's a final ruling... If that's the final adjudication, then these shots are only under EUA and all these lawsuits claiming that these were illegal mandates at schools, at businesses, everywhere else, we're going to win. We're going to win. But a judge has to be smart enough to see through that BS. So we were talking about the standards. Um, Some of you mentioned some of the standards to keep an emergency use authorization product on the market. That's really important. That's a really important part of this. Um, There are four standards that have to be met to keep an EUA shot on the market. One of them is that the secretary of HHS has to declare and maintain a state of emergency. So, of course, there is never going to be a time where there's not a variant, which we call scariants, right? Because it's not just a variant. It has to be scary, too, right? Monkeypox now. Yeah, here comes (laughs) monkeypox. I'm lining up. (laughs) I'm rolling up my sleeve. (laughs) So I'm not. Yeah, that's sarcastic. (laughs) So, okay, so that's one of the standards. The the next one out of the four, actually, I'm going to skip to the last one that the FDA lists. The last one is that there can be no adequate approved or available alternative. And when I first saw that slide, none of us at Children's Health Defense knew if that meant vaccines and drugs or just other vaccines. And it turns out it means vaccines and drugs. And so everybody asked me, well, Alex, why can't we get ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine on the market? Those are adequate, approved, and alternative products. And if any one of those had a study that our government recognized as curing COVID or helping save lives, all EUA products would have to come off the market. And that's not just the vaccines. That's the masks, and that's the test, the PCR test. And I can talk about the PCR test, too, but I'm not going to do it right now. That'll take us down another rabbit hole. (laughs) I was actually told, do you guys know who Jay Bhattacharya is? from Stanford. He's a statistician, MD, master public health. I was lucky enough to have dinner with him a few weeks ago. I was talking to him about the PCR test and I said, hey, does our public health officer in Santa Clara County know all this about the PCR test or does she take it at face value? Does she know that it's 91% false positives? And he said, no, she takes it at face value. And then he said to me, Alex, you know more about the PCR test than every doctor at Stanford and Sarah Cody. I thought, oh, that's scary. (laughs) I'm just a data pervert. I'm not a scientist. 
So, okay, so those are two of the four standards to get an EUA. Right? So now we know why they have to maintain the emergency. Now we know why there can be no drugs to treat it. And people ask me, well, why do we have remdesivir? It's not available outside the hospital. So it doesn't meet availability. It's, it's controlled. So it's just in the hospital. Okay, so the other two are that the known and potential benefits have to outweigh the known and potential risks. And, of course, they're always overplaying the benefits and understating the risks. Right? We all know that. And then here's my favorite. So the standard is it may be effective. Okay. Do you know how low that standard is? Okay. It's really low. For regular vaccines, the standard of, of effectiveness has to be 70% or higher. For EUA, 30 to 50% effectiveness. And the 30% is because of something called the confidence interval. Like if you have variation in your data, you have a couple standard deviations. It's, it's like that low point of the standard deviation. It could take us down to 30% effectiveness. And that's okay. That's okay for an EUA, according to our government. It's really terrible. It's really terrible. So those are the four standards that have to be met to keep an EUA product on the market. And so right now, all four of those standards are technically still met, according to our government. So what else should I tell you about these shots? Oh, if you go on the FDA site, (laughs) there's actually a page that's in my presentation that I can't show you because I don't have slides. And they list Comirnaty and Spikevax, which is the brand name for, you guys know, right, Moderna. Same thing. They pulled the same trick with spike vax, same BLA, same language says the shot is ready for approval in ages 16 and older. (laughs) So if you go on the FDA's site, it says that they're not currently shipping those products. It literally says that they were approved last August. So we're talking about almost a year now that these shots have been on the market or not really on the market. They're approved for manufacturing and distribution only, not for injecting in anyone's arm. And of course, they're not available. And then also on the FDA site, you can actually find that they have adequate supply of the original EUA products. So we're just going to keep using those. (laughs) It's just, it's so bizarre. It's really, really bizarre. So... All right, so that's, that's what they're doing. That's how they're creating the super emergency, and that's why they're going after our kids, because they cannot have these products on the market without the liability shield, and they get that as soon as they get it on the children's schedule. And right now, the only shots for kids are under EUA, and they're not, they're not officially on the children's schedule yet, because they don't have to be. And that's why, like, hepatitis B vaccine is given to kids at birth. There's two reasons. One is that they couldn't track down the IV drug users to give them hepatitis B vaccine. But also, if they put it on the children's schedule, they got the liability protection. So they have to get every baby in the hospital, even though like more than 99.5% of women giving birth do not test positive for hepatitis B. (laughs) It's crazy. So they love that. They love the children's schedule. So um, that dates back to the um, Vaccine Act of 1986 that was signed into law by Reagan. And a lot of people say, like, let's abolish that that law, but not the best idea because that established VAERS and that is our only death tracking system. Like Jay Bhattacharya will tell you that we have a couple other systems based on insurance data where we can infer the deaths just because people stop coming in. And I said to him, Jay, I stopped coming into the traditional medical system because nothing worked for me. And I was on Medicare for a while. I stopped coming in. I'm still alive. You can't count me as dead. And he said that I'm an anomaly. But they're inferring deaths from the insurance database systems. There's one called BEST, and then there's one called VSD, Vaccine Safety Data Link. But the only system where we can actually track deaths after vaccines is VAERS. So we could lose VAERS if the um, 1986 Act were to go away. 
And then the other thing we could lose is vaccine court. We'd have no recourse. There'd be nowhere to sue. We couldn't sue anyone. And it's not a perfect court. And a lot of people call it a kangaroo court, but that might go away as well. And also the payments people get, they don't come in one lump sum. If your child is super injured or if you're an adult and you're super injured, they don't just pay you $250,000. They pay it out over a period of time. And if that law went away, then those payments might go away to people who really need the payments. So that's why we need to revise it, not repeal it. Yeah, people who got compensation might not get it anymore. It might just stop. According, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that. So, yeah, the Lazarus study um, published in 2010. You guys have all heard about this, where fewer than 1% of the injuries are reported. That's from this thing called the Lazarus study. And they went into Harvard Pilgrim, and they told doctors that we're going to be watching um, what you code for your patients to see if it matches up with their list of vaccine injuries. And so what they did is they went into that data at the um, Harvard Pilgrim in the Harvard Pilgrim database and any injury that could have been caused by a vaccine, they pulled that out and they said, you know, the doctor should have reported this. And so that delta between what the doctor reported and that list of injuries that they should have been reporting was pretty big. And it turned out that fewer than 1% of doctors were reporting injuries that could be related to a vaccine. And that's how we got to that less than 1% number of less than 1% of injuries reported to VAERS. And we don't actually know what percent of inj- what percent of deaths are reported to VAERS. Um, we know from the drug database where you, you report drug injuries and deaths that only 13% of deaths are reported to the drug database. So maybe that's the same with um, VAERS for vaccines. We're not sure. Steve Kirst, do you guys follow his Substack? Oh yeah, yeah, he's amazing. Um, he's estimated the underreporting factor or the URF to be 41. So everything you see in VAERS could be multiplied by 41. So if you multiply 100, 100 million deaths by 100, sorry, 100 million, I'm sorry, this is my brain. I still can't do math. <laughs> now I sound like Biden. Um, <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> um, so we have more than a million deaths reported to VAERS, but if you multiply that by 100, you get 100 million. And how many people do we have in the United States? 330 million. So we're talking about almost a third of the United States who could have been injured by COVID shots. And then if you multiply the deaths by 41, you get more than a million deaths. And these shots are not benign at all. So does anybody have any questions about EUAs or this whole process before I go on to the Santa Clara case? Okay, we'll leave it for Q&A. Okay, so um, my son um, just transferred to Santa Clara last year. He um, just finished, he's finishing now his sophomore year. And he came to me, I actually went from being like the mom my kids wanted to hide. I, both of my kids are in college, they're 20, they, you know, they're kind of embarrassing. Yeah, my mom's the anti-vaxxer. Um, but now I'm the mom that my son's actually proud of. And I'll t- I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> Um, he came to me and he said, hey, hey mom, my, my friend Harlow, um, she had to get a Pfizer shot at school. She went numb from the waist down. She started peeing blood, got a massive headache that lasted for months, and her hair started falling off and she was throwing up. And I said, well, she can't get another one. And he said, I know. And I said, well, what about her medical exemption? Did the school take it? And he said, no. And I said, did she have a religious exemption? And he said they didn't take that either. So here's the story of Harlow and our case at Santa Clara University. So backing up, so Harlow submitted a religious exemption to Santa Clara University. You guys, your jaws are going to hit the ground when you hear some of this stuff. This is a religious school. Santa Clara is a Jesuit college. 
and she submitted a religious exemption at her religious school. And they said, sorry, Harlow, we only grant religious exemptions to faculty and staff, not to students. You don't get a religious exemption. So she went ahead and she got that shot and you guys just heard what happened to her. She went to the emergency room. She didn't stay overnight in the hospital, but she was seriously, seriously ill. And let me just tell you a side note story. We know of a boy in New York at a community college and he had the same symptoms as Harlow. He was peeing blood. He went numb from the waist down and he recovered more quickly than Harlow did. And he thought he'd be fine getting a second shot and he died. So Harlow was in real danger, real, real danger if she ever got another shot. So she, she knew that. She didn't know about this story, but she knew she couldn't have another one because she was seriously injured. She, she submitted a medical exemption to the school. School gets back to her. You ready for this one? Sorry, Harlow. We can't grant you medical exemption. You were numb from the waist down. You were peeing blood, but you only went to the ER. You were not overnight in the hospital. You don't meet the standard. You had to be hospitalized. I don't know. And the person who told her that was the communications director. <laughs> exactly. So Harlow submitted a second medical exemption. Same story. We're going to kick you out if you don't get you, if you don't finish the primary series, and you, and if you don't get a booster. So they were saying you need two more shots to stay in school. I mean, we're talking about her life now. So they weren't granting her a medical exemption, obviously, and this was happening to a lot of other students. Um, so my son came to me. I said, great. Did the school put all that in writing? And we have a real injured party. Great. This is a great fact pattern. Let's check it out. Let's see if we can make a case. And it turns out she had a very well-documented fact pattern. And so we filed a case against Santa Clara University. <laughs> so, so we filed a case. And we still haven't been granted a hearing yet, but let me tell you all the things that have happened since then. We have a press conference at the school, and we had a really good turnout. I, I spent 15 hours planning it the day before, and we had like 50 people come, so that was pretty good, and we had a lot of media there, so that was really good as well. And after the press conference, my son spoke, and he had to tell everybody he's not anti-vaccine, and he's not super conservative, but whatever. <laughs> um, and Harlow spoke, and they both were, they were so good. They were great. They'd never really done anything like that before. They were fantastic. And they both went back to their Greek houses. My son went back to his fraternity. Harlow went back to her sorority. And guess what? Their Greek houses wanted to kick them out for speaking up about vaccine dangers. And they had this little texting system that's anonymous, so people can make really mean comments. And so one of them was like, girl, it's not Santa Clara's fault. You have a weak immune system, as if she's supposed to take a risk with her life with more shots. And kids really, they don't know a lot. And then another one said something like, DGs be eating a grape and an almond for dinner and then suing the school, LOL, good luck with your case. I'm looking forward to it being thrown out right away. I mean, really, really, really hostile stuff. So luckily, both my son and Harlow um, talked the Greek houses into not kicking them out. And they've spent like a few days really, really, really regretting being on the case. They really, really regretting doing the press conference. But it was like this tsunami that came and went. And finally, the students woke up. They started reading the articles that came out, and they were listening to Harlow. Maybe some of them read the, the filing. And everything turned around. And now they have tons of support from the kids at school. Yeah. 
So I was nervous for three days that I was going to be the unpopular mom again, but <laughs> I prevailed. So, okay, so then the next thing that happened is we had a couple doctors come to the press conference and they started writing new medical exemptions for these students. And slowly the school started granting medical exemptions to these students, one by one, and a religious exemption. And then they said they weren't going to kick people out with, with um, no tuition refund, good guys, <laughs> they would actually give a tuition refund if they were removed them from school. So that's also movement on the case. Now, I just heard a couple days ago, and I confirmed it with my son um, while he's waiting at the airport, there are all these students who didn't have a medical exemption approved, and they didn't get kicked out. And some of them are graduating without a shot now. So they're just letting it go. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. So all of this without having a hearing at all. We haven't been granted a hearing. And let me just tell you what they did in Santa Clara County. Our first judge was a law professor at Santa Clara University. <laughs> so he got rid of that judge. Second judge was a paid law professor at Santa Clara University and now, now is a law professor for free, or volunteer law professor at um, Santa Clara University. So we're trying to get rid of that judge. And what we'd really like to do is get out of Santa Clara County because I mentioned Sarah Cody earlier. Um, we call her Comrade Cody. <laughs> Um, but she's the one who's locked down that county really hard, just like L.A. County was really hard. She was that person up in Silicon Valley. Um, and we really want to get out of her county because she's the one driving this whole thing. And does anybody know what being EIS is at the CDC? Sarah Cody was EIS. Okay, so that's the CIA of the CDC. So, she, so EIS stands for Epidemic Intelligence Services. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So you got to check the credentials of your public health officers and see if they're ex CDC or ex EIS CDC. It's a big deal. Yeah. So that's, that's who's in charge of Santa Clara County. So we got to get out of the county if we can. So, so that's what we've done for Santa Clara. We're still waiting for a hearing, which is crazy. We've also sued um, LAUSD. They were going to kick out 37,000 students for not having shots. And in our meet and confer meetings five days before the school board met, we found out that they were going to back off on that mandate and they were not going to send the students anymore to independent study, which, by the way, they're, they're breaking two laws. They were illegally mandating the shots, and the schools don't have the authority to do that. The superintendent doesn't have the authority to do that. The county doesn't have the authority to do that, and neither does the school district. It's only the Department of Public Health. So they backed off on their mandate, and they're also illegally sending kids to independent study. That has to be voluntary by law. That has to be voluntary by law. And so we got them to back off, and they didn't kick out those students. And now, um, even though they haven't changed um, what's on their website, students are allowed to participate in extracurricular activities, again, without shots. So the pressure works. The pressure works. Even when you don't win the lawsuits, the pressure works. Yeah. And we also want another one in Piedmont School District. They're trying to do the same thing, kick out all the unvaccinated students and send them into independent study illegally they went down to age five though which is a joke because how can you be five years old in independent study and read the packets that are supposed to help you learn to read <laughs> it's just it's crazy so um so we won that one also we also filed one against um the yorba linda school district for um what's his first name aaron palicky and he was wearing a mask like he was told to do at school and then they decided one day that his mask wasn't good enough by some standard who knows what standard they used and so now we're gonna we, we're suing them right now we haven't any any movement in that case yet because it's so new but we're gonna ask them to show us what authority authority they actually have to keep students safe because they're saying it's our job to keep students safe so we want to know exactly what that boundary is 
What is that? What's the definition of that? What are you doing by law that's legal for you to keep your students safe? Sending a kid outside in the rain to take a test? I don't think that's keeping a student safe. Um, And we also are going to force them to prove that the masks that they do allow and they do enforce at school, that those actually work. Because they're saying that Aaron's mask didn't work. So maybe the other masks work, according to them. We really want to see that science. (laughs) Our lawyers are amazing. So this is our lawyers, um, in case you don't know them, are Jessica Barsotti, Rita Barnett, and Nicole, um, Nicole Pearson. Yeah. Amazing, amazing law, law team. Really wonderful, wonderful people as well. So that's what we've been doing with lawsuits. We're going to file a lot more and win a lot more in California because we we're going for freedom. We're going to get rid of medical mandates once and for all, and we're going to be able to live free again. We cannot live in a society without medical freedom. So what I want to do now is I would like everybody to just consider all the people who are here. And I want everybody to reach out to somebody next to you, hold their hand. Really, you can do it. You can do it. I know you guys aren't germaphobes because <laughs> you've been meeting this whole time. So everybody, if you could reach out and hold somebody's hand. There's, uh, there's a poem I really, really like. But before I read the poem, I want to tell you guys about a study. And you have to hold hands while I tell you about the study. So this is a study done among baby chicks. And you, everybody knows that a baby chick, when it hatches, it imprints on the mother. Yeah. Right? And then it follows the mother around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> so there's a study done with these baby chicks. And instead of imprinting, can I have my hand back while I'm saying this? <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate that. (laughs) So this study is really amazing. So these baby chicks got imprinted on something else, not the hen mother. And if you guys don't want to hold hands this whole time, I'll ask you to do it again. You don't have to. I'll ask you to hold them again when I'm reading the poem. Sorry. Um, And so what they did is they, there's the mechanical, they made a little mechanical robot that was a random event generator. And so it was randomly programmed to turn left, right, or go straight. And they put this little thing in a ring It's like a rectangle. And the baby chicks were there. They hatched. The hen mother wasn't there. And they saw this random event generator. It's like a little robot on wheels. And it had a candle on top because I guess they like the light. And they imprinted on this thing. They thought that the little robot with the candle on top was their mother. They really wanted their mother. And so they followed their mother around this little arena. So then what the researchers did is they partitioned off these baby chicks into part of the rink so that they couldn't follow their mother around, which was the random event generating robot with the candle on top. They couldn't follow their mother around, and they were sad. They wanted their mother because they imprinted on their mother, and their mother was this robot with a candle. And you know what happened? 75% of the time, that random event generator robot, it went toward the baby chicks because the baby chicks wanted their mother so badly that their thoughts brought this random event generator to them. It shouldn't happen, right? And I saw the study. I actually looked it up, and you can see that when those chicks weren't there, that random event generator went evenly around the rink, around the rectangle. And then when the chicks were there and they're partitioned off, 75% of the time toward the chicks. Something. Yeah, that's called, it's called magnetism in, in some circles. Yeah. And they, yeah. Yes. And then they did the same study with rabbits, and rabbits operate on fear. And they had the rabbit's imprint on something, and they wanted to repel it. And 75% of the time, the random event generator was away from the rabbits. 
which is it's just amazing. So our thoughts really matter. Our thoughts can bring things to us. And, and, you know, whatever you believe in, if it's a higher power, if it's God, whatever it is, our thoughts matter. They make a difference. They can make a huge difference. So now I want you to hold your hands and I want to recite a poem for you. Are you guys familiar with Martin Niemöller? I want you to really take these words in as I say them, because we all matter and we're all here for each other. We're here for each other here, but we also have to open up our hearts and think about all the people who don't know what we know and they're scared still and we can influence them. We can bring them into our circle. So Martin Niemöller wrote this poem after the Holocaust and it it goes like this. First they came for the trade unionists and I was not a trade unionist, so I did not speak up. Next they came for the communists and I was not a communist, so I did not speak up. Then they came for the Jews, and I was not a Jew, so I did not speak up. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. So I want to congratulate everybody here for being the people who speak up for ourselves, but also all the people who are yet to be awoken, and just think about how powerful our thoughts are, and think about opening up your heart to all the people who could see what we see, if we give them the space to do that and we approach them with love and kindness. So thank you so much for being here and thank you for holding hands. (laughs) I appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. (laughs) I'm happy to take any questions. Uh, I, I think we have to look at the big picture. Why have governments done this around the world? Why has Shanghai been locked down for two months now to have a zero COVID policy? I mean, is it just money? Is it just the money that, I mean, it, it seems like it's, it's definitely depopulation. And, yeah. if, and if it is, then this really is a war for our own, for every, all of us to just survive because they're not going to stop. No, they're not. And I this mean, has we, been going we, on. We've, we've got to have really strong ideas on, on how to, to counteract this, I mean, we do. This is this is really, really uh, a big deal. We have two ways to counteract it, and that's the courts. Even if we don't get a hearing, as you can see, we can make big wins without a hearing. We will get hearings, but we can make big, big wins without even getting into court just because of the pressure. And we have to show up. We have to do three acts of civil disobedience every day. Robert F. Kennedy has been saying that for a while now. That is, that's one of the last things we have left. And we have to assemble like we're doing now. We have to protest, and we have to get to the barricades. And every time there's a call to protest, don't be the person who sits home and says, I can't go again. I can't go again. You You have to keep going. You have to, because you're right. This has been going on for a long time. I just read today that in 1987, so 1997, the um, Emergency Use Authorization Act was signed into law to create this thing called emergency use products. Um, And then in 2004, 2005, that's when they established the Real ID Act. That became a law. And now there's a bill in the California legislature that's going to tie your vaccination record to your Real ID. That's what that's been for the whole time. If you were wondering, that's what that's for. So we're looking at the creation of a full medical police state, a global one. And you know, the WHO is about to do this huge power grab. And it's, it's a really scary time. Yeah. Mick. All right. Thanks, Alex. Uh, now, real quick, uh, Princeton did some research related to what you're talking about, the random number generators and ESP. So that's interesting. You might look at pair was a group. I think they closed it down, but it was at Princeton University. It's called Pair. Okay. Uh, and then 
uh, one question I had is I, sometimes I hear in the drugstore and overhead saying they have community, but I've actually asked them, and the, the info doesn't have it in writing. So it's interesting, the ads on the radio and in, in the drugstore at CVS, sometimes they'll say, oh, take your community shot. So it's interesting. Definitely that's not available. It's false advertising. It's right. called bait and switch. It's illegal. Right, 100% right. illegal. Right. Even if you go to comernati.com, the last time I went there, um, I haven't been there in the past week, but it says the shot's under EUA. Right. There you go. It's crazy. So my, my real question was, uh, I don't know if you know this, RFK once in a video, and I can't find it again, mentioned that he won a lawsuit for a woman where the injury manifested about a year or over a year after she took the shot, which I thought was interesting. Do you happen to know what the shot was, what the case was, where he actually won a case for a, an adult woman who was injured by a shot? And it, it was probably Gardasil, but all of our cases are still pending. So I actually don't know. Okay. Yeah, I actually don't know. We have yeah, this um, is years ago. It okay. Happened, yeah. We have a dozen cases against Merck for Gardasil for cheating in their clinical trials. That's the only way. Once a shot gets on the children's schedule, the only way you can sue them is if you find out they covered up an injury that they knew about and they didn't let the public know. That's why they've actually been public about myocarditis as a side effect of these shots because if they don't, they know they can get sued. That is so well established. They know they could get sued if they don't disclose that. Hi, Alex. My name's Ira, and thanks for coming down on a holiday weekend. I mean, it's just wonderful. I've seen videos of you, and to see you in person, it's a real treat. Oh, thank you. Uh, the question is, um, is the Santa Clara case, can that move to the University of California system? There, we have a great template. It's an 18 cause of action template, so it can be customized to any college. It's kind of like a pick-and-choose template. Um, and so if you have a legal team and um, we can raise the funds, we can sue anybody. Yes. Yeah, because we... Yeah, yeah, the case is on our website under resources on ca.childrenshealth.org. You have to put ca before childrenshealthdefense.org. Ca. Dot, and then go to resources. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Ira. Hi, Alex. I'm Stefan. Hi, Stefan. Thank you for your amazing work. It's really an incredible commitment that you have that you came out here. I had a question about something that is um, showed up on one of the panels, I believe, that Ron Johnson put on about the vaccine injured. There was one participant only that I've seen that talked about, if I don't take my ivermectin, my, my effects return with a vengeance. It's only one person I've ever seen that. So ivermectin mediating the effects of the vaccine injury. Have you heard about this? I have, yeah. And in fact, I have a personal story about ivermectin. I, um, as somebody who was shed on or transmitted on by somebody who's vaccinated, I actually had a collapsed vein in my right arm all the way from my armpit to my wrist. And it actually really hurt. Like I couldn't reach higher than like here because it, it hurts so badly. And it lasted for six weeks. And the day after I started taking ivermectin and fish oil, it resolved. <laughs> so vaccine shedding is a real thing? I, I personally believe it is. Yeah. And there's there's a study um there's a study I think that says people can shed for sixteen weeks. And then I just heard Lee Merritt say that um people shed for about ten weeks. Yeah. Okay, I know that they mentioned it in the Pfizer trial that if a pregnant woman is exposed to the product, that they need to come in and get evaluated. Yeah. Hi. Um, do you have... Oh, closer? Okay. Uh, and any recommendations for parents who can't homeschool? You still have quite a ways to go. Like, documentation? Like, and any suggestions? I would try to find a Christian school. A lot of them are not requiring shots, and... Um, they're not giving their records over to the public health department. They might get sued, but a lot of them are not doing it. 
that's the only other place you could go besides homeschool in California. Or Mars, as Elton John said. <laughs> but Mars ain't a place to raise your kids. <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's really brutal here. Thank you for sharing uh, your, your story as well as fighting for, um, for children and those who don't have a voice. And so I just wanted, uh, my question is basically for, this, for the Santa Clara University, um, is there any way that that, like, thank you for sharing, but that that could be a good model for other schools? And so um, I, I, I thought that what you did with the, because the, the media is one problem. Like how so, uh, social media. Um, so how can we how can we also implement that in the in the in the fight to educate fellow students, uh, those in social media? You know, and I, and I thank you for um, for the Facebook um, the, you know protesting and so how maybe pursue more in those the media is a hard nut to crack I believe it was um, in 1991 or 1992 it became legal for pharma to advertise and that's got to go away because pharma in non-election years pharma owns 70% of the advertising that goes on in the media 70% so no media company can bite the hand that, that feeds them and we know that Facebook is partnering with big pharma to do like clinical not clinical trials like focus groups now but um, children's health defense we do have a lawsuit against Facebook for censorship and the reason we did that is because if the government directs speech of a private entity they become a public actor and they have to abide by the First Amendment. So their argument is, oh, we're, we're a private company. We can censor all we want. And our, our argument is, no, 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 no. Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff openly told you to censor conservative speech and children's health defense specifically. And you are not a private actor anymore. You're a public actor, and you have to abide by the First Amendment. So that's our argument. Okay. Thanks. Hello. My name's Joey. Thanks for um, coming out here um, Thanks for um, putting the effort to, to uh, you did to come here today, despite missing your first flight. Um, so I'm wondering um, how can I make um, how, how can I um, meet? I'm wondering how I can meet like-minded people in my community, aka people who believe in medical freedom, because um, it's I've, it's been really hard for me where I'm at in Westwood. Yeah, if you. Okay, go to Children's Health Defense, go to ca.childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up to be a volunteer. And you don't necessarily have to volunteer, but we do have um, county ambassadors. And if you go to the programs in your county, then you'll find a bigger and bigger circle. And just like this group is amazing. I mean, you already took the first step by being here. Yeah. (laughs) Short, sorry. Hi, Alex. I'm Kai. Um, Hi, Kai. I'm an LAUSD teacher. Oh, wow. Uh, I have a medical exemption and a religious exemption. And the way they handled it was to remove us from our classrooms. So my last day was October 15th. And so they put me in that independent study program with kids, which is fine for now. Uh, but about on Friday the 13th, they gave us letters saying that we have no more space. So, after 24 years, I have a possibility of losing my job. Everybody. Oh, my God. Everybody yeah. in June is being fired. 5,000 employees are being fired in June. Oh, my God. Well, in our academy, they call it a virtual academy. We have uh, 220 that were given notice. Uh, 300 will have a spot, but that's not guaranteed because it's all based on enrollment. Thank God kids are going back. I'm very grateful for that. But I'm wondering, through your work with – sorry, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> That's awful. I'm so sorry. It's okay. 
but I'm wondering if you have any advice because I know that you work with mostly adults, I mean children, yeah. children um, rights. Do you have anything that you've come across that maybe I can take back with me to my group? Yeah, it's in, it's interesting. We would love to consider your case and you know make it a class action. So um, that's something Children's Health Defense would be very interested in considering. So, um, and I'm sure a lot of people would come out to support it and donate money to support the case. Um, so that's one thing. And then the other thing I think you should show them is something I didn't talk about in, in my talk yet um, here, but the fact that the word consequences, that was adjudicated in the one case about emergency use authorization products in the military. That was adjudicated. And the word consequences, in that case, it's called Doe versus Rumsfeld. That word does not mean loss of job, it doesn't mean a separate working location, and it doesn't mean visual indicators of your medical status. The only consequence that was adjudicated in that case is that you might get the infection for which you did not want the vaccine. That is it. And so the word consequence does not mean that you lose your job. And that is the only case on this topic. Those are punitive consequences, and that case says that you cannot do that. And there's been no other cases on the topic that went to the Supreme Court more than once and affirmed that there are no other consequences other than medical. And so I think that case would be really strong for you to bring to them. And I talk about it a lot. Um, but a weird thing that happened, which the school might trot out in response to that, is this weird thing from the Department of Justice. It's called a slip opinion. They put it out in July of last year, and I don't know how these people sleep at night. They literally tried to redefine the word consequences without a court case, and it holds no legal weight whatsoever. Yeah. So be careful when they if they produce the slip opinion saying, "Oh, see, the DOJ says that there can be consequences like loss of job." There is no case law that supports that. There's no law that supports that at all. I think what they're doing is hiding behind. They're calling it a condition of employment. And it's nowhere, I haven't found it in any contract. No. And they so, have to have cause to dismiss you. What's their cause? You have a uh, medical and religious know? exemption. Because I actually went through a termination hearing. Prior so they made to up getting, something? Uh, they yes, put they the same five causes for every educator. Uh, unfit to be, all the ed codes that you fire teachers from molesting kids. Uh, unfit, uh, immoral. Uh, that's what they use. I want you to I talk to our lawyers. Okay. I think we are very interested in this case. Yeah, that's ridiculous. You can't all have the same cause. And that sounds retaliatory to me also, which is also illegal. So, hi, my name is Ben. Hi, Ben. And um, my question, you have a radio I guess, voice. Oh, oh, I'm speaking into the mic, too. But anyways, <laughs> um, so I guess my question is going to springboard off of hers. Why, in your opinion, is it so hard to find lawyers that are willing to take these cases? I, I don't lawyers like money. Um, <laughs> We, uh, I guess we've come to the consensus that they're afraid of the Bar Association being disbarred. But I, I think they like money more than that. So in your opinion, what's the problem here? I think the law is it's super complicated. And so we're bringing more and more lawyers into the fold on a daily basis. And I think we need to actually have an education system for lawyers so that they feel more confident taking cases like this. I don't think they're afraid of being disbarred. They just they want to win. They want to take a case that they can win. And if they don't know this law, it's really complicated. Um, if they don't know this law and they did not learn it in um, law school, then I don't think they feel confident taking the cases. So it's a, just a question of educating them. So if we could get kind of a more green, if you will, lawyer on one of our cases to learn from the more seasoned ones, that would be a good way to you know, bring more lawyers into the fold. It's, there's just a lack of lawyers who know this law. 
So people ask a lot, why are they doing this to us? And why, you know, and nobody ever speaks to what's really behind this, and that's the Luciferian agenda behind this. Nobody ever says that. Do you know anything about that? Or do you have anything to say about that? I personally know about it, but I can't. I can't speak for children's that's health what, defense. That's what I thought. <laughs> that's what I thought. You yeah, can, yeah. You're not going to say. But I'll about tell you it. this: I started going to church, uh-huh. um, which I never had since I was a little kid, and it was right. the first time I went to church voluntarily. Right. right. And I love it. Also, um, I have some information for you. Who's telling me you got one more minute? I'll just okay. walk to the car and share some information with you regarding your vaccine injury and perhaps some help. Thank you. Yeah, it's. Um, um, I forget what they call it. Uh, energy. What do they call it? Enhancement system. I was just. Uh, Sounds listen, good. Yeah, I like the title. It's, it's, it, no, it's <laughs> awesome. And, and a lot of the stuff you're talking about, you'll understand with this system. Okay. I want to share it with you. Thank you. Okay. Thanks so much. Okay. One more final question. All right. All right. Ben so, again. Yeah. So <laughs> Ben again. Um, so can we go, sh- should we go out to like uh, law schools and ourselves look for, for lawyers right, right out of law school or, or attend their graduations and like, Hey, you want to make some money? Like, come here, kid. Like what, what, should we do that? Heck yeah. Why not? Why not? I like it. Let's do it. (laughs) I like it. Okay. Thanks again, everybody. I really appreciate you being here. Thanks for waiting. And thank you so much for being in this fight. I love being in the fight with every single one of you. Thank you. Okay. What'd y'all think of that? (laughs) Uh, Everybody's still awake. Based on some of the stuff I've seen in chat, didn't seem too bad. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'll Love. tell you what, she covered a lot of stuff. And one of the things that I got a kick out of was the uh, Doe v. Rumsfeld, uh, the consequences. And if you remember back, back when I was covering the, um, uh, shoot, <laughs> religious exemptions, there was a section of the federal law that basically says, that uh, they have to um, make you aware of the consequences of refusal. And, of course, anybody that just looked at that said, well, I can just determine what the consequences are. And now we actually have stare decisis, (laughs) or as the attorneys say, case law, which it's not, but precedence that says that consequences is simply yeah you might get sick from what you refuse to take the jab for which is a uh, you know common sense but it clarifies what that term is and makes it a whole lot easier because otherwise they can just say well one of the consequences of not taking is getting fired no that don't work so um, there's some there's some good stuff in there i'm going to go back over it i have posted that recording on my telegram channel so it's there now for anybody that wants to download it and uh, share it uh, feel free um but i thought that was a a really good uh way to spend 54 minutes i think it was a lot of good information in there especially what they're getting even though they haven't had actual hearings in the courts just the fact that they have filed the cases is putting these schools on notice that they're not pushovers and they're not just going to roll over and take it in the backside without a fight. And uh, it's having some uh, positive effects, which is good. And the more you can avoid actually going into court, the better off it's going to be because you never know. Once it gets to court, the judge may rule the wrong way, which uh, if you're in a D.C. court, you know, and you're a re- uh, conservative, <laughs> that's a extremely good case, you know, considering what happened yesterday with that uh, Hillary's uh, person who got let off, even though the evidence was 100% against him. But anyway, um, let's see. One of the best parts was where they talked about the EUA and bring, yep, exactly. That's why they're doing it. 
They know that they can't maintain the EUA stuff indefinitely, and sooner or later it's either going to come off, or in order to continue getting their protections, they've got to have it on the childhood vaccine schedule. And it's, you know, I got to give them credit. They're jackasses, but they're not stupid jackasses, I guess is the best way to put it. And uh, unfortunately, I uh, can't say the same for a lot of Americans who just, you know, willingly put up with the stuff and let it go. And that's where the big problem, why we're in the boat we're in. If people had stood up and really been Americans and said, no, we ain't doing this, that would have been the end of it. Um, anyway, <laughs> you know, that's the deal. Uh, but yeah, the audio is, uh, that recording is on the um, uh, Telegram channel. And of course, this whole show will be posted uh, on CastBox as soon as the show's over with. And I'll also have it uploaded to Telegram and a whole bunch of other places, too. Um, so, anyway, just want to put that out there. And, you know, Facebook doesn't like me, either. You know, it's funny. Um, I run the sound booth at my church, and recently they decided that they wanted to start live streaming on Facebook as well as YouTube. So I got everything straightened out and figured out how to do it. And uh, because the software we use generally will only allow to stream to one location at a time. And um, the girl who handles the church's Facebook page was trying to add my account on as an editor or whatever they want to call it so then I can, you know, stream. And because I've been in Facebook jail so often, uh, they wouldn't let her add me. <laughs> At least that's just, we're assuming what it is because every time she tried, it was, you know, won't let, let, you, know, won't let you do it. So I had to set up a whole brand new Facebook account just for the sound booth at the church using a different email address and the whole shoot and match, and then everything went through just fine. But uh, the fact that it was my original account where I post all the stuff, that, you know, last year, eight, eight out of 12 months, I was in Facebook jail. So I think because of that, they wouldn't let me be put on an, <laughs> another search's uh, uh, admin account. It's pretty wild. Just the trials and tribulations of telling the truth in social media. But uh, there's, as always, there's a way around it. And uh, anyway, um, just looking at some of the other stuff. You know, the new uh, study out about moms taking or pregnant mothers taking the COVID jabs and uh, the effect that's having. And it's still, the numbers are still right up there with what I've been saying. It was like 82% um, lost their babies. And FDA shows... Uh, had data showing 82 to 97% of pregnant women injected with a Pfizer COVID-19 jab lost their babies before approving the shots. That's crazy. And these idiot doctors that talk them into doing this stuff. Oh yeah, it's safe. It's effective. It won't hurt you a bit. And I'm totally free to say this because you can't sue me. And if that ain't malpractice, I don't know what is. But the fact that these people, and they go home and sleep like babies every night. I'd like to have them sleep like one of the babies that was in the womb and got one of these shots. Yeah, that'd be all right. But uh, absolutely disgusting how so-called medical professionals can recommend these things and then just walk away and not worry about it when somebody dies as a result. You know, so much for the Hippocratic Oath, that's for sure. Oh, man. Anyway. 
it's hard to go on a lighter side because there really isn't much one. <laughs> uh, president of European pharmaceutical giant lied about COVID injection status. Purchase fake vaccine passport to travel. <laughs> Isn't that special? You gotta love it. And then somebody, one of these yo-hos recently got caught injecting himself with saline. You know, <laughs> claiming to be getting the uh, booster shot and he was getting saline instead. That's That's par for the course. But then I can, you know, the funny thing that gets me is some of these, uh, especially Democratic congressmen and senators. There was one here recently who had been fully injected, had all the jabs, all the boosters, and everything, and lo and behold, had a stroke. <laughs> There's several of them that have had that lately. I said, didn't you guys get the memo that you were supposed to specifically request the uh, saline placebo? Uh, or maybe they would really bought into it that much that they really believed these things would work and they were safe and effective and they took the real McCoy just because they were so good, such great, you know, virtual signaling people. And then, oh, gee, they had strokes as a result. Too bad. So sad. Sucks to be you. Dr. Jane Ruby tells Stu Peters COVID injections are making people more vulnerable to disease. Of course, yeah, it knocks out your immune system almost completely. And uh, no surprise there. Let's see. World Health Organization partners with German telecom company to create global COVID-19 injection passport. And that's what one of the things she mentioned in that recording. is one of the whole things. You had this real ID that all the people in the States got their driver's licenses with the little stars on them. I didn't. You know, I was trying to decide whether I should even bother renewing the license at all. Uh, made a mistake and did. I think that's probably the last one I'm ever going to have. But uh, I did not do the real ID crap. I got a passport. If I need to travel, I always take my passport with me anyway. Or if I'm traveling, you know, just state to state, I take, I use my uh, uh, passport card. But the thing is, is I won't fly now. <laughs> Unless until I can fly private and verify that the pilot is not jabbed, I ain't flying no more. <laughs> I'm not playing the odds. I've never been one to go to Vegas and, you know, stick money in the one-armed bandits or play blackjack or anything else. And uh, there you're just gambling with your money. You get on a commercial airliner and you're gambling with your life. Uh, no thanks. I'll uh, If I can't drive or ride my bicycle, I don't need to go that bad. Uh Sooner or later, I'll just take my boat. It might take me a while, but I know I'll get there safely. <laughs> as long as they don't release the Kraken on me. Uh, just kidding. Anyway, uh, let's see here. So, everybody on the board, somebody's got to have something to say. You know, feel free to jump in. Uh, well, I, I had a question yeah, about Paul. the Hippocratic Oath. <laughs> Go right ahead. <laughs> Isn't it true that... Well, I don't know if this is true, but I heard that if you take any word and you substitute a vowel in the word for another vowel, uh, you do not change the fundamental meaning of the word. Hmm. Uh, Interesting. Which would mean Hippocratic and Hippocratic would be pretty much the same thing. <laughs> uh, well, there's a good point there. Um, at least at this in this day and age, there was a time when they took that oath you know, seriously, but, uh, anymore, not so much, um, from what I've seen, especially MDs, you know, and they're, you know, as far as I know, 
Uh, I believe other, you know, like naturopaths, homeopaths, I believe they take the same oath. But, and they honestly, I think, uh, adhere to it as best they can. Uh, but MDs, you know, it's, it's, it's like an MD taking a Hippocratic oath is like a police officer taking a, uh, the oath of office and the first call he goes on, he's going to violate somebody's rights. He's going to violate his oath. And pretty much the same thing is true with a doctor. The first time he sees a patient, he's probably going to violate his oath. If he's got that little uh, prescription pad in his pocket and he takes it out and writes them a prescription, 99.9999% of the time that drug is going to cause harm. <laughs> and, mm. you know, that's a common well, I, thing with these guys and they don't think twice about it because they're brainwashed into believing that it's actually good medicine. You know, it's, it's the other guys that are quacks. Well, uh, I saw a picture once where there was this doctor that had been practicing for 30 or 40 years. And, uh, you know, you're familiar with those like, uh, book racks, um, the kind of thing they're they're like this circular spinny book rack. They're mm -hmm. about four feet square. Yeah. Um, four feet by four feet by about six or six and a half feet tall. Mm -hmm. What he did was he took all of the pens that he had gotten from pharmaceutical reps and he put them on that rack and he did not ro have room for more after like 30 years in practice. <laughs> and it's not just a pen that they get. I mean, a pharmaceutical reps, I know of a nurse practitioner who's got her own office. Uh, the reps show up on Fridays and cater lunch for the entire office. And oh, yeah. it's like every Friday. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, my wife uh, is, uh, you know, being an RN and she works in a surgery center. They actually, you know, the funny thing is she had her, they, she got hired back in December, and originally they were supposed to open up in, I think, February. And they just finally had their first case yesterday, first three mm -hmm. cases. And they were waiting for quite some time on the state um, uh, inspector. And when they came, they were expecting to have the guy there all day long going through everything, fine-tooth comb. The guy was <laughs> in and out in 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. For a brand yeah, new surgery coming. center, that well, is just unfrickin' real. And the first thing I'm, going through my mind: Do I, would I if I was heard... silly enough to have surgery, would I want to go there? No, <laughs> knowing <I don't>. that. <laughs> but well, uh, I've I've also heard reports on the Hippocratic Oath that uh, that it's up to the school whether or not uh, they want to offer it to the students on graduation. <laughs> and it's up to the student to decide whether or not they actually want to take it. And the ones that do take it, the first do no harm thing, that's probably uh, it's real hard to find. It's, it's not there. Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, the uh, dentists who go through dental school, they are forced to take an oath not to tell the truth about um, uh, mercury fluoride. or they can't get their diploma. <laughs> yeah. Fluoride, mercury. We're first gonna we're gonna harm everybody with by golly, and you gotta promise that you won't let the cat out of the bag. You know, that's the world we're living in, and mm -hmm. it, oh my goodness, it's just disgusting. It's you know, when down. you look at this stuff, you know, this morning, like I said, I'm at my retirees banquet or breakfast, you know, banquet, <laughs> and you know, of course, one of the guys that uh, used to work with me were the same age, and he's about he's between three hundred and fifty and four hundred pounds now. Uh, five foot, uh, five foot six, five foot seven, 
always. <laughs> you know, basically he's standing up, laying down, he's the same. <laughs> you know, great guy, just fantastic sense of humor. We just loved having, you know, we loved working together. But the poor guy is just, you know, he's been jabbed and he's one of the ones that, you know, now has stomach cancer. And he's talking about how he went in to get his, he had that install ports to make it easier for, whoa, getting some weird noise coming through here all of a sudden. Not sure where it was. Anyway, um, he had to have ports, a couple of ports installed. He said, oh yeah, you'll be in and out in half an hour. Four and a half hours later, they kept missing the veins and doing all kinds of weird stuff. Um, but now he's all lined up for his chemo to make it easier. And it's like, oh my gosh. Oh, no. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all the rest of them are talking about all their things. You know, the, the guy sitting next to me has missed the last two breakfasts because of kidney stones. And I'm, you know, telling him all this stuff. I says, you know, here's what you need. You know, here's some stuff, natural things that will dissolve them. And what your problem is, is you've got a massive calcium magnesium deficiency. And, uh, you know, he's taken some kind of, uh, I think he said it was potassium citrate that his doctor recommended to help dissolve things. And it's helping with my blood pressure. So he thinks it's just a wonderful thing. I said, yeah, you're only 89 short. And, uh, you know, the trouble is, is trying to talk to people that are wrapped around the allopathic axle. You know, the funny thing is, is all of them sit there and they talk about all their health issues. And I sit there and say, yeah, yeah, I had, you know, there was, he was talking about his girlfriend sitting next to him who has high blood pressure. Oh, she's 180 over 110. I said, well, I was 185 over 120 for five years. And I started taking my supplements and 30 days later, I was 99 over 77. Well, yeah, them supplements can be okay, but you know, <laughs> and then they just go right on. But my doctor says, I said, okay. Yeah. But so uh, he wants nothing to do with what you have to say. In other words, for the most part, that's fine. I don't mind. You know, I just, I give people, I said, if you want the information, no sweat. I'll be happy to give it to you. If you don't, that's fine too. It's your life, your body. Enjoy it as long as you have it. Won't be long, but enjoy it. And, uh, you know, they, they never seem to realize that they're all sitting there talking about all their health problems. I'm the one guy sitting there, doesn't have any health problems. <laughs> Same age as most of them, or, you know, right around the middle of them. Um, and the guy with the kidney stones was two years younger than me. And I said, you know, I choose not to have those problems. And the old thing, uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. You know, I would much rather spend three to four hundred bucks a month on supplements and not have to worry about kidney stones, cancer, high blood pressure, and all these things you guys are sitting around here complaining about. And at the same time, I don't have to worry about the stupid insurance costs and everything else. You know, I told my my buddy that's got the cancer, he says, you know, you're getting, you're getting ready to turn 65 if he hasn't already. I think he's a couple of months older than me. And uh, he says, I said, bet you're getting all kinds of stuff about signing up for Medicare. Oh, God, oh, you can believe all the stuff. I said, I could fill a dumpster with it. I wish I could. You know, <laughs> then you have. Don't waste your money, you know, because <laughs> you know, it's all going right in the trash. And, uh, I just assume you guys not spend the money to send it. So I don't have to spend the money to have my trash guy take it away. Uh, but that is truly amazing. Said, why don't you want Medicare? Well, given the fact that they only pay for what kills you, why would you want it? <laughs> you know, yeah. you get MDA, yeah. MDB, MDC, you get, you know, pharmaceutical centrist poison. Uh, I've lived this long without it. And I bet you anything I can live this long again without it. While you guys are 
wrapped around that axle and feeling worse and worse and worse every day. I yeah. don't. <laughs> and I like that and better. That, and that guy literally weighs 300 pounds, but he's 5'6". Yeah. He's he's like a walking basketball. <laughs> and I love the guy. Wow. He's a fantastic dude. I mean, just the funniest dude you ever want to be around. I mean, he, he could easily do stand-up comedy. The guy is just stand a boot. <laughs> and just, you know, just one thing, it just rolls off his tongue. He's just pure hilarity. But he's also a butterball and has just let himself go. I mean, he was chunky when we used to we used to work out together after we got off work at 8 in the morning. And I had, we both had Nordic tracks, and we'd take turns coming to each other's house and spend the half hour on the... Uh, on the Nordic track while we were watching the news and talking and stuff. And um, uh, he stopped doing that, and he just exploded. I mean, I, the first time I saw him at one of these breakfasts after, you know, 20 years or so, I was like, golly, this you get expanding your horizons. Huh? <laughs> You've been reading a lot of uh, encyclopedias and stuff, haven't you? <laughs> but, uh, man, I'll tell you what, yeah, he's a, he's a big boy. And every time I see him, he's bigger. And of course, you know, if, if this chemo doesn't kill him, uh, it's, it'll be interesting to see how things pan out. It, it may be a, a bad way to lose weight, but he might lose a little as a result. Yeah, but, it's uh, not going to be worth it. No, Spend as much not. quality time with him as you possibly can because he ain't going to be around very long. Yeah. His immune system's already mostly gone and chemo's mm-hmm. going to take care of the rest of it. Yeah, and he took the jab. So, you know, that's probably why he's got the cancer now, more than likely. Absolutely. But, you know, it's one of those things, and it's just, well, there's another funeral. will probably be going here before long. And, you know, my neighbors who are in Europe right now, and I, I thought that they were smart enough not to take the jabs. It seemed when we had talked in the past, it sounded that way. But I can't imagine them being able to fly to Europe without having taken the things. Um, so I'm going to let them know. I says, you know, neither of them have any next of kin that I know. I says, leave me your house and your uh, will. <laughs> Because I was back there cutting his grass yesterday, and he, he's got eight and a half acres behind me, and it's a beautiful little secluded place. The house is really nice. Um, got a nice, about a two-acre pond, and plenty of room that we could put another barn and pasture for our horses. We could just move them back a little bit, and just a gorgeous place. That would be a nice place to buy. <laughs> but, you know. The one thing well, I wouldn't want to do is have to cut the grass all the time. Shoot, I can cut my grass in an hour, and it took me like two and a half to do his. <laughs> uh, it was unreal. But, you know, that's being neighborly. Because the poor guy, if he, if he, if I hadn't cut his grass, it's really been gone a week now. And by the time they got back next week, he'd be mowing hay for sure. That stuff was growing like crazy. But beautiful place made me remember how nice it is back there. But... Uh, yeah. One of the problems with the program that they've got going on now is that some of the sweetest, um, some of the most loving and caring, responsible people that uh, I've ever met were the ones that were early on volunteering for the program. And, uh, you know, two of the most wonderful people I've met in my life are my landlady and her daughter. And I found out that they were both jabbed, uh, one with one and one with the other. And when I found that out, my heart just, it sank. Yeah. It's, it's sad, you know, and I haven't talked to my family. I've, I, my brother, you know, he's got Asperger's and lives in a, uh, a group 
place saw, there's no doubt in my mind, they probably forced him to take it. Well, just gave it to him. He didn't know any better, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But my sisters, you know, they're both older than me and think they're smarter. And I wouldn't be surprised either one of them if, if they and their family all got it. That's, you know? Yeah. I think Brent was trying to get in there. Brent, you... Uh... Uh, yeah. What would we do about catastrophic care? Like, say, um, you know, you have a car accident and, you know, break something or things and, uh, you know, without Medicare. Well, I have I have VA, but, you know, I'm going to have to sign up for uh, Medicare this year. Uh, my thing is, at this point, you know, I've and my wife, I'm still covered under my wife's policy, supposedly, but that's for probably another five years or so. But my thing is, unless I can stipulate trauma care only and get a reduced, you know, I don't even know what they do with that stuff, whether you got to pay for it or what the deal is. But Mm -hmm. um, the way I feel at this point, the way they have just literally given things away to people coming across the border illegally, if you go to a Mm -hmm. hospital, they have to treat you. And... If I was, if push came to shove and I had to go to a hospital and they treated me and when I got out, they had some inflated bill, I'd say, I'll pay this as soon as these illegals coming across the border pay theirs. And I really wouldn't have a problem doing that. I said, if you want to send it to collections, knock yourself out. That'd just break, make my day because I eat collections agents for lunch. <laughs> um, that's, you know, at this point, that's just. I've reached that point. You know, I've always been one to, you know, if you're responsible for something, take care of it. But when you're forced into a position, when they say you've got to do it this way and there's no way but our way, I say, fine, screw you. (laughs) See if you can squeeze blood out of this turnip. Hey, Jim. Yeah. I got a friend whose daughter wound up in the hospital for some, they're, they're natural uh medicine type people like me I oh, guess. Yeah. And so he but his daughter i forget what happened she something happened and she got it was like an acute thing and she so she wound up in the hospital and he kept afterwards he kept saying uh he kept sending them a response to their bill that they would send and he said well send me an itemized or he would go in, maybe. He would say, send me, or I need to uh, give me a an itemized bill of everything that you're charging me for. <laughs> Instead of just the one lump charge. And uh, they never would do it. He kept asking them several times, and they find they, he never heard from them again. Yeah, Not and that's a good way to do it, because it's it is so inflated. You know, when they're charging $50 for an aspirin and stuff like that, the last thing they want to do is give any kind of indication of what their scam is. Yeah. So they yep. just as soon let this one slide than have somebody out there with the information against them that they could use later on and have it come back to haunt them. Yep. Uh, and so he, he wanted to have that appearance, you know, that he would was willing to uh-huh. uh, pay the bill, pay something, yeah. but not what they were trying to require I would so, do the same thing. I say I want a complete itemized bill of everything, right down to the last band aid, 
and every person, whether it's an orderly, a nurse, a physician's assistant, a surgeon, anybody who had any contact with me and is getting paid, I want to know it all. Yep. Yep. And if you do that, you know, that, and that's a, that brings back when I was going through radar training at the Highway Patrol Academy. They talked about, you know, beating cases. <laughs> and they talked about somebody who uh, got a ticket for speed with based on radar. And they subpoenaed 27 different things, including, you know, the, the officer's training records, the uh, maintenance records of the radar unit, when it was last calibrated before and after uh, his you know, and 27 different things and won the case because the police department couldn't provide the information. <laughs> so there's, yeah. there's more than one way to skin a cat. Huh. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, you just have to be creative. Right. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I, if you, if you go in and, you know, if you're like a result of a traffic wreck or something, chances are you're going to be unconscious. They're going to do what they do normally. Now, the one thing in this day and age, if, you know, if you can't prove that you've been COVID injected, you know, if you go in unconscious, that would, that'd be scary. They're liable to, well, we don't know if he's been, had the jab yet, so we'll just give it to him before we treat him, you know? Oh, yeah. I would come back loaded for bear if that was the case. Yeah. But, uh, you know, other than that, you know, if, you know, they basically got to treat you, especially in an emergency case where it's life-threatening. And, uh, at that point you say, well, I didn't authorize this. <laughs> And I want to see I want to see a complete uh, itemized list of every single thing that on the, if it's not if it's if I'm being billed for it I want to see what it was. Don't be giving me this one lump sum at the bottom. And uh, oh, yeah, chances are that would solve your problem. Well, that's the way it should be. Mm -hmm. And that's what they should do automatically. Right. You know, you go to a restaurant. They submit, they give you a bill, and you, okay, here's your entree, here's your extra stuff, here's your drink, whatever, and this is what you're paying. You should do the same thing in a hospital. And because they're such a scam, <laughs> and they're so inflated, uh, and the thing is, is I, you know, one of the people I'm following on YouTube, that you know, they're sailing all over the world, uh, she just had to have um, uh, surgery for deviated septum and sinus issues and stuff, and uh, they they were talking about you know, healthcare in other parts of the world. And the thing is, the U.S. has the most expensive healthcare system anywhere, but it's far from the best. And you can get really good care. I mean, they were in, I think, New Zealand, and her surgery was probably 5% what it would have cost in the U.S. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. Just unbelievable, the difference, you know, because of the, the stranglehold the the big pharma the american murder association and insurance companies have on congress and everybody else they've just you know they're well, the borg it's not commercialized <laughs> yeah like they like it is here and these this is what they've done is turn what was supposed to be a capitalist society into a uh i don't know what you'd call it now it's a it's a conglomeration of things, but mainly it's a, it's like the Jewish Shetar system, basically. They've, they've taught us how the corporations and all the companies and things, how to make money, uh, how to scam people. Basically, you're in the matrix, yeah. <laughs> you know? 
there's there's tubes and things hooked into you and you're just a source of energy and food for the matrix and uh, don't ask questions don't take no red pills <laughs> just sit there and you know veg that's yeah, what it boils down us, to they just keep fleecing us um every which way they can and the, the sad thing is we're not just talking about banks or banksters we're talking about the whole of society mm-hmm Every avenue that we touch and deal with has got some kind of scam hooked into it. Yep. So the, the governments do it. The municipalities do it. Everything that we touch. Mm-hmm. And so what we're, you know, on Roger's side of things, what we're trying to do is eliminate some of that, at least as much as we can, where we don't have to deal with these. this system. I, I mean... It's like I had a talk with, uh, I've been listening to Chuck Baldwin lately. Yep. Mm-hmm. Good guy. He's preaching. He's, and his preaching, boy, I mean, he is. Oh, yeah. He is, uh, I listened to him years ago when he was, back when he was in Florida. Mm-hmm. And every time I listened to him, he was always patriot this, patriot that, talking about history of the founding of the country and going, ranting on all that stuff. And I was like, man, I can't, this is supposed to be a sermon. I <laughs> I think it's all spiritual food out. So I quit listening to him, and then I come back. He's he got exposed though, and he says before I guess it was happened before he got exposed to some of the preachers that I've been listening to, uh, John Weaver and that Warren uh, Campbell up and he's up in Idaho now from California. Well, Chuck used to come to the he, a couple of times. He's been out to the his conferences when he was out in California. And um, so Warren and them knew him, and I think Matt Trilla knows him too, because when we saw Matt Trilla here in Oklahoma City, oh, I don't know, five years ago or something, we mentioned, we were talking about not very many pastors doing, doing anything like what he was doing with the magistrate stuff, and he's like, well, Chuck Baldwin, you'd be surprised he's changed. Mm-hmm. So, And he has. I, I, I tell you, his I've been getting a lot out of his preaching. I don't agree yeah. with some things, so but most of it, mostly, is good and, and positive and uh, uplifting. So he gets after it. He yeah. just tells it like it is. But, but um, oh, where was I going? With that? I don't even know why I mentioned Chuck. <laughs> He's also got a good book on uh, Romans thirteen. Yeah, um, yeah. I was going to say that on Roger's show earlier, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't get to. And they've also, uh, he and his son, his son actually is the one that wrote it. He's an attorney, believe it or not. But right. he won't run on the Second Amendment. That's really pretty good. Oh, he did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can get him from uh, Chuck's website. Right. Okay. Um, but anyway, um, you know, well, it brings up this thought. Chuck made this statement. He was going over the... Uh, Oh, I think it was, he's probably going over Matthew, over um, the destruction of, he's been going over, he's got the prophecy series going over destruction of Israel and uh, 70 AD stuff and leading mm-hmm. up with that. And he said, he was talking about Jesus and the temple. And he said, you know, the first central bank basically came out of that temple. That's what they had, the money changers had set up in there was a central bank. Hmm. 
Yeah. And I never thought of it that way. Yeah, all the money changers. And Jesus didn't like that much at all. No, no. <laughs> uh, no. Righteous indig indignation. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, they just figured out a way how to scam us, and we've been okay with it. Mm -hmm. And every, and so now you got individuals trying to get in on it. Uh, and everything's become more money-oriented than relationship-oriented or family-oriented or anything that's more social has just been put to the side and the focus has been more on money. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, um, by the way, before I forget, um, and I don't know how many people this apply to, but I see Carl and Brenda on here and I know it applies to them. Uh, a while back uh, with John and Kathy, we were talking about a, a, a project or a program called Super One. And last night I got a call from John and Kathy saying that apparently they've had some kind of thing where they're converting all their tokens into credits or credits into tokens and you're getting so much for so much and all this stuff. But today's the last day to do the conversion and after that you will never be able to do it again. And uh, sure enough, by the time I logged on, the time had expired and I couldn't do my conversions. And there was a thing that's on there that said, you know, if you got an issue, you know, send an email here. So I sent them an email, and apparently a lot of other people had as well. Uh, apparently they initially announced it like six months ago. And, um, well, I'll just read the thing that I got from them. Oh, wrong one. Uh, there it is. Uh, hello, Jim. <laughs> the conversion deadline was announced six months ago, which I never heard. And we sent a message yesterday, which I never got, uh, to notify everyone that it is the last day. However... We decided to give everyone another chance and prolong the conversion period with a few days. Please use this time to convert credits into tokens. Hope this helps. Please do not hesitate to contact us. And at least, you know, they responded. And I was able, um, actually during that recording being played, I was able to log into all my Super One accounts and convert all the tokens to credits or credits to token, whatever it was, and get it all taken care of. So, um, Carl and Brenda, if you guys haven't gotten your email or haven't received anything, you know, they have unlocked it, so you should be able to get into your other accounts and get it taken care of. Just wanted to let you know about that. And um, other than that, uh, I'm still waiting on my phone uh, number to be ported with Volta. Don't know why it's taken so long. And oddly enough, I, because I've been having so much trouble with the um, virtual cards, with Hyperverse or Hyperpay, I had changed my uh, virtual card over to the physical card I had to pay the, the Volta bill. And I think in the process of all the crap going on with Hyperpay, uh, instead of blocking the virtual cards, the, which were the ones that were having all the fraudulent charges made to them, they blocked my physical card. <laughs> and uh, lo and behold, I get a couple of several notices from Volta now saying that the... Uh, you know, the, my monthly charge, which was uh, the 29th or 30th, was, you know, re, was declined. So I changed it to uh, my local bank debit card, and I got the same notice again. I said, wait a minute, I know that card works. Um, so I don't know what's going on, but I'm inclined to say, look, you guys keep sending me these uh, things. Why don't you, let's do this. I've been paying for two months now, and I still don't have my number ported. How about we just not do any more payments until you get my number ported? <laughs> 
So I'm thinking about sending them a, a little ultimatum. I said, I'm tired of waiting on this. You know, I really like the idea and the concept, but, you know, this ain't no way to run no railroad. You know? That sounds like a good idea, Jim. I think <laughs> I'll do that, too, because I'm having that same problem with Volta. Mm-hmm. Jim? Yes, sir. One of the things I've got going on is I've got a, I deal with a community bank, mm-hmm. and they have locked down my debit card so hard that there are certain card processors that they they automatically don't use like square is uh-huh. one of them and um it'll uh it'll kick a fraud alert and it'll disable my card for use everywhere until i respond to the fraud alert but still they even if i do respond to the positive on the fraud alert they still don't let the charge go through so I have no idea if Volta's going to do the same thing. I signed up last month, and uh, I do have the physical SIM, but I don't have a phone that it'll work in, so I'm still working on that. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I do have the number that they gave me. I haven't tried to port over a number or activate the SIM. I don't know, but uh, I haven't gotten too many straight answers. Well, if, if the SIM doesn't fit your phone... Um... If you're if it's a smartphone and it's capable, you might try a eSIM um, because that's electronic, so you don't have to worry about anything fitting. It's just a matter, and they I think they have a list of phones on the website that will work with eSIMs, so you could use that as an option until you get the right size SIM. Um, right. But yeah, that's it's crazy, and I have you know my bank when they do a uh, fraud alert, I get an instant message saying that, you know, this is a potential fraudulent thing, you know, did you, are you trying to make this charge? And as soon as I either call them or respond back, yes, it unlocks it. And I haven't gotten any of that stuff. And this morning when I was going uh, uh, on my way to the breakfast, one of the waitresses at the place that we have food at our meals at, you know, she's a really sweet girl and loves Snickers bars. <laughs> <laughs> so I make it a point to stop by, you know, somewhere and pick up a Snickers for her each time. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just enabling her. <laughs> Shame on me. But anyway, um, I had that and I needed a couple of new batteries for my, uh, uh garage door openers, man. I'll tell you what, a 23, 12 volt batteries for garage door openers used to be a couple of bucks a piece. Now two of them are $10. Yep. I couldn't believe it. But anyway, I I need four of them. I had to buy two two two-packs because I need three of them. (laughs) But anyway, uh, because it was that enough, 20-some bucks, I went ahead and used my uh, HyperPay Visa, and it went right through. No problem. Hmm. So I had been uh, going back and forth, and it was was three or four days ago that I mentioned to the fact, you know, mentioned to the customer service people that I think they locked it up, and they were, you know, they supposedly fit so forward to the bank to get it taken care of, and they must have unlocked it. So I'm hoping now that I can, you know, resubmit it to Volta and see if that'll work, because I, I would rather use that one, if I can, than my local, my regular bank card. Um, right. But we'll have to see. At least, you know, I haven't used the local one lately, but I have no reason to believe it's been locked Um I used it maybe four or five days ago. It worked fine. And I haven't had any trouble with it. haven't had any notices. But uh, I'm couple, not sure what the A couple of interesting things about batteries is lithium. Okay. Lithium is um, getting much more expensive. Oh, yeah. But these but are just basic alkaline. hard. Yeah. These it's, are just basic alkaline batteries. I don't even think they make these in anything but alkaline. 
and right. it, uh, it's exceedingly hard on the environment and mm-hmm. did you know that they had they had electric cars in the early 1800s yeah with lead and, acid uh, those cars used salt batteries oh yeah um okay so <laughs> why are we not learning uh learning from the past and uh you know lose the lithium batteries salt batteries santiana said it those who refuse to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the old Edison batteries that Thomas Edison made years and years and years and years ago. Those things never die. They're still going, and you can actually, there's somebody in China that is making them. But they're so big and they're so heavy, it's, it's so gosh darn expensive to get them delivered here to the U.S., if you can get them at all now. But... I mean, those, that'd be the way to, you know, if you're going to set up a solar system with your house, get those puppies, man. Just park them in one spot and just maintain them, whatever you got to do, but they never go bad. Okay, so you got to rent the forklift to move them up the driveway to park oh, them. Yeah, but that's what Big I mean. If for a static situation, you park them in one spot so they never have to move again. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. okay. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. But uh, it'd be worth, you know, renting a forklift or whatever for the afternoon to get them off the truck and get them positioned where they need to be. If I was going to have an endless power supply or storage you know, unit, that'd be pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, all the stuff from the, you know, if you, if you go by and you go into a small town sometime and look at something like the Bijou Theater. And you have these theaters that were built in the early 1900s that have the little light bulbs, the old Edison shape. And many of those bulbs have never been replaced. They're the originals that were put in when the building was built. Yeah. Because there, there's a, they there's last a forever. A firehouse. <laughs> and then there's... some genius realized, hey, if they last forever, we're not going to make money. So we have to have planned obsolescence. The bulb's got to die after so many hours so we can sell more. And there, that's the way of the world now. Where there's a light bulb that's been burning 24 hours a day, seven days a week for over a hundred years. And it's yeah. still working. Mm-hmm. And we'll probably continue on until somebody breaks it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, the thing they replace it with that, will last a month. If it can't be metered, we ain't making it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Stop the world. I want off. <laughs> Beam yeah, me up, really. Scotty. There's no intelligent life down here. And if there is, it's so few and far between, it's not worth it. Good grief. Marcus Park wants to say something. <laughs> say, say, Jim. I hear you sparking like in that, the background. Sounds everybody. like What's that, up? Volta, that Volta issue might be a supply chain problem, do you think? Oh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, make, I'm making it up. I mean, it, if you know, it, I would like to think that the Volta, because you guys had shared a little bit about it before, it was a, was a good go-to, but who knows? It might be a... It might be a you know a setup. I don't know. I'm hoping not. But but what kind of complications? You know that's that's the degree they'll go. The, the supply chain has has affected our electron data transmission. Oh yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, what there's a not enough crap, electrons man. to go around. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. You know, I've I've heard that kind of stuff before. It's like, well, we can't give you your shot records from 1978 because of the fire that happened in 1975. <laughs> it's that kind of thing. But you know, I don't. I, I honestly believe they just got overwhelmed. But now I'm starting. To, I heard some again yesterday, and again this morning uh, on Alex Jones's replays. They're they're running ads for Volta now. Um, so apparently they got 
somewhat caught up to the point they think they can get going, but couldn't prove it by me. I'm still waiting. You know, everything else is working. They just, I don't know why, for some reason, they can't get my number ported. And I've put in two requests, and the second request is approaching two weeks now. Uh, Thursday will be, tomorrow will be two weeks that I've been waiting on the second one. I waited eight weeks on the first one. And then they said, oh, there's something wrong. you got to resubmit it. Okay. So I resubmitted it and said, you should have it all taken care of in seven days. <laughs> well, tomorrow's 14, and I'm still waiting. And... Uh, you know, let's get something done here. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll just take a little clip out of this uh, show <laughs> and send it to him. It says this this is what I was talking about on my show today with some of the folks. You know, I can keep this up, or you know, you can get it fixed, and we can go forward and be have a good partnership here. <laughs> hey Jim. Yeah, go ahead. I, what what's uh, wrong with Paul's sim? Is it too big or too small? I don't know. Uh, I'd have to ask Paul. You know, because the, uh, the sims come with, their their designed so that you can, I think they'll fit three different sim sizes. And, oh, uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, they have little a, tabs that you can problem. snap off. If I'm, I can't get a straight answer out of them as to whether or not they support uh, GSM or CDMA. And I always intended to keep the Volta phone number and just add another phone. And... Uh, I was trying to get an AT&T phone that I had unlocked. That didn't work. It's not all their fault. Part of it is my fault. But well, is I mean, does it fit in the phone? Yeah, well, it fits. It fits in the phone, but the phone won't address it because uh, because I found out the phone was locked. And oh, I'd okay. rather that's use part CDMA. of it. <laughs> it shouldn't be any it. problem getting it unlocked. You just well, have to contact the company that was originally locked too. Yeah, they're refusing to unlock it, some contract Seriously? thing or whatever. So, oh. but I'll just go to eBay and I'll buy a CDMA phone. I'll drop it the in there and it'll work. Yeah, more than likely. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was too wrong, the wrong size or something. You can, and I was going to say you can cut them down if they're too big or used to be able to anyway. And then, or you can, well, if they're too small, they got an adapter you can fit it into. Mm -hmm. Right. But. Well, another question that I had for them was, um, I did sign up uh, as an affiliate, and I would like to promote the phones, but uh, there's no, I haven't gotten a straight answer on any uh, URL syntax, so a person's affiliate ID could be associated with a URL and just send people to one place, and it always, and it automatically credits me. It's like they've got to know the affiliate code and put it in um, when they're in their shopping cart or whatever yeah and when i did mine there was no place to put in an affiliate code so i'm just wondering how that whole thing works and i haven't really? gotten a straight answer from them hmm. so yeah so I, if you have an answer for that i'd appreciate it <laughs> no i basically i was able to go in and set you know because originally it gave me my my id number is two four four six and I was led to believe that if anybody used the, the actual URL that had that in it, it would take them to the place where they could then sign up. Uh, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But then I was finally able to create my own promo code, which is Sarge. And uh, basically that supposedly is now what you would enter, you know, as the promo code when you go to sign up to get the discount. Um, but... 
you know, I'm curious if did either of you guys use my link or promo code when you signed up or did you just do whatever? No, I had signed up before I heard you talking about it. Okay. What about you, Chuck? Got to unmute. <laughs> oh, Chuck. He may have uh, fell back asleep. I don't, but, uh, yeah, I, I've been watching. I've had a lot of people go there, but so far no one has signed up yet that, I, that I've seen. So I'm just kind of curious whether or not Chuck used my promo code or did something different or whatever either. Um, what would the promo go, code give me? It would uh, the the regular price is forty nine ninety nine and it gives you nine ninety nine for the first month and then thirty nine ninety nine after that. But mm. of course, there's ten dollars worth of tax that goes on it, so it's actually forty nine nine. Is this what they bill you? <laughs> mm. But what about uh, the nineteen ninety nine level? Uh, at the nineteen ninety nine level, I'm not sure. Because it's it's it was designed for the the fifty dollar one. I'm not sure oh. what kind of if anything they give you there. You'd probably get gotcha. the first month for ten bucks, uh, but after that, it's probably going to be twenty bucks a month. Um, twenty five actually. And hopefully they don't throw ten dollars worth of tax on that too. <laughs> uh, but you know, because I noticed the, the charges on my um, account basically it just showed forty nine ninety nine. Uh, I wasn't getting an invoice or anything. The only time I got an invoice was when the thing didn't go through, when it was declined on the card. Then I got an email saying that this didn't go through, and it showed the breakdown of 39 plus 10. I said, well, isn't that special? But uh, I said, I think uh, it's time to get my number ported before I give you a valid payment form again. Uh, I haven't looked lately. I changed it again. I think last night was the most recent, and I... Um, I can't figure out what the deal is because I put the information in there properly uh, for both. I did the, the, the whatchamacallit card, um, the hyperpay, and it seems to be working now. Uh, and I also put in my local bank card. And there's I have not had that turned down anywhere. So they said there was a decline on that one. So i got to wonder what their system's doing. And the oddball thing is, is it worked okay with my... Um, the virtual card from HyperPay. So I don't know what the deal is. Uh, the problem is, is, you know, I had two valid charges on that HyperPay card and about 30 fraudulent ones, and I'm still waiting to hear back from the stupid bank. As to, I, just, I just let them both go down to zero. I ran, if, if there was any left on it, I spent it and uh, got them down to nothing now. And I'm not putting any more money on until they refund the stuff and give me new numbers. But, you know, I don't know. It's weird. It's the price of being a test dummy. <laughs> but I'm glad, I, you know, if anything, if I can save you guys some hassle, you know, it's worth it. Sorry. So yes, sir. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Alan. Yeah, I was going to say on the Volta website, they claimed that as of yesterday, they would start shipping out their new phones and all. Have you heard any about that? I knew they were supposed to start shipping. Originally, it was they were supposed to ship in May. Uh, and I figured, given everything that was going on, that would probably be held up. I was going to go ahead and uh, pre-order one, but I'm not going to do that until I've got my number ported and I know everything's working the way it's supposed to. Uh, there have been enough hiccups that I'm just going to sit here and wait until things are working right then i'll order a phone i got no well, problem ordering one i'll get the top end one 
if, Have if you been everything able works. Use the Volta system at all yet? Oh yeah, I've used it. It works fine, and it's got good coverage. Uh, the problem is, is I, right now I'm carrying two phones everywhere I go because I, you know, at this point the number is still pointing to my iPhone, my good, my high end one. And whenever it switches, it's going to go to the SIM card that's installed in my iPhone 8, which is my old phone. And I don't know when that's going to happen. So I got to either carry two phones or at least one phone and a SIM and a little you know, little pin thing that you use to open it up. So when I look at my phone and it doesn't have a signal, I know it's time to switch out the, sw- the SIMs. Uh, so that's the pain in the butt right now. I'm carrying two phones with me everywhere I go. And that's annoying. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the Volta system works fine. It's just they can't get the stupid, my regular number uh, ported over to the new, to their system. And why that is, I don't know. You know, I've talked to my my current provider, and I made sure that everything that they needed was done properly. And the guy said, no sweat, you know, well, as soon as we get the request, we'll send it over. (laughs) And uh, they'll shut down my billing on this one account. And my wife's and my iPads will stay up, and then if I want to bring it back, I can. And you know they're really good about it. I gotta, I gotta say that Spectrum hasn't been a problem. It's all, I think it's just they don't have enough technicians with Volta to get everybody done. I think that's what their problem is right now. And you know, as long as you're just using one of their system-generated numbers, you're good to go. But if you want to port one over, that's what seems to be taken. You know, if from the sounds of it, if none of you other guys have gotten yours ported either, that kind of tells me that's something that has to be done manually one at a time by their technicians. And they probably just don't have enough to go around yet, is my guess. But who knows? Say, say Jim, Jim, mm-hmm. Jim the curiosity, I have a curiosity, I haven't went down a rabbit hole with this at all. Who's behind Volta? Do, do we know that it's a good group and do we know who they are? Uh, I know the name. David Sinclair is the guy that owns the company, and he did an interview with Alex Jones two months ago, which I heard, and it sounded good enough to me that I figured I'm going to take a shot and I'll sign up with him. And uh, like I said, the system works. You know, the only problem I've got is they can't get my number ported over. But if I if I wanted to just forget my existing number and go with the SIM that they sent me, I'd be, you know, it would work fine. Um but this number I've had, I have had for 20-some years, and there are too many people out there that, you know, occasionally call that need to get a hold of me that it would be a pain in the butt to try and get a hold of everybody and say, hey, my number's changed. And uh, you only have forwarding for so long. So, um, you know, I want to get that number ported, and that's the big stumbling block at this point. Everything else <laughs> is working. Except their billing system doesn't seem to like the two cards I've given them lately, <laughs> for some reason. But uh, other than that, you know, the as far as I can tell, they're you know, it's it's the big problem is it's a young startup. They've got things, you know, it's a good system the way they're you know promoting it. And the biggest problem is they made the mistake of trying to eat an elephant when they only had two baby teeth. <laughs> And, you know, that was getting on board with Alex Jones and his millions and millions of listeners who want this kind of system. Probably nine out of ten of his listeners jumped on it immediately and just, you know, it was the tsunami that broke the camel's back. Um, 
and they're just now starting to recover. Because like I said, that was over two months ago that he did the interview. And until yesterday, two days ago, I had never heard another ad or anything about Volta on Alan or on Alex's shows. And just now they're starting to run uh, promos again. So, and it's just, it seems like it's just a clip from that interview that they're just playing. So it tells me that they just were overwhelmed. It could be, it could be an overwhelm or it might be interference or it might be also, my sense of this is they're probably offshoring the technical stuff probably to India. You know, there's a lot of that's going on. It's been going on for a long time, the offshoring of the high tech stuff, you know? So maybe that's what might be interference because of the, in catch or it might be catching up with things, but we'll just wa- wait and see. See what I happens. I haven't seen that from the the emails that I've had. You know the the people that are sending the emails apparently know how to have English as a first language. <laughs> That's always a, a a dead giveaway, and I'll I'll give them that they the information or the the emails have been well written. They've been understandable and that kind of thing. Um, the only drawback right now is the technical stuff, and. Like I said, you know, we'll see what happens, and hopefully they'll get this porting issue taken care of soon, and I can actually test it and then get David on the show to do an interview and have you guys ask him questions, and then we'll see where we go from there. But uh, until that happens, we'll just take it one day at a time. But uh, that's it for today. We're out of time, and tomorrow Mike Gaddy is going to be on with us. We are going to be talking about a summary of the founding era and when Christians embrace historical infidels and non-believers. <laughs> it should be interesting. That's a mouthful. Anyway, take care of your bodies. It's the only place you have to live. We'll see you all tomorrow. Take care and God bless. Mm-hmm.